Hey folks, this is Walker, one of the two hosts of Idiot Talk. Just wanted to drop a little note here at the beginning of the episode and let you know this is a really fun one. You're going to enjoy it a lot. We discuss Radiohead's second album, The Bends. However, just a slight audio issue in the end of this episode. Uh, for the last couple songs that we play, they're a little loud in the mix, and some of our commentary as we discuss them is a little hard to make out while the music is playing. It's not a big issue, but just wanted to let folks know in case you did notice it. And other than those last couple songs, everything should be clear as a bell. Uh, you know, this was only the second episode we recorded, so bound to be a couple issues here and there. But after this, smooth sailing, I promise. And Radiohead fans will know that's the name of a Radiohead song. All right, enjoy the show. We'll see you next week. Bye. listeners welcome to idio talk a radiohead podcast hosted by the glenn brothers i am one of said glenn brothers and one of your hosts my name is walker glenn and i'm zach glenn last time when we left off zach radiohead <clears throat> had according to one side of the story uh from their record label six months to get sorted right which as- is like really high expectations it takes me six months to write a song with two chords. They were doing a lot of a lot of work. Some of these songs have three, four chords. Yeah. Well, I was being a bit facetious because uh, there's um, you had to pay for the article on Wikipedia, which I found was odd. I think I got scammed. But in one of the uh, the breakdowns, Tom uh, York. When I say Tom from here on out, we're not talking about Tom, <laughs> the drummer of the Smile. Um, but Tom said uh, that, and we're not talking about Tom Bombadil from no, and his yellow ex- boots, and his yellow boots, and his uh, jeans. Doesn't he wear a lot of jeans? No, but nobody in the Hobbit wears jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he wear hammer pants? <laughs> it's like Tom Bombadil was decked in denim from head to toe. Picture Jay Leno in yellow boots. <laughs> he had just got a cool striped tee from Anthropology. Um, <laughs> No, uh, not Tom Bombadil. Tom York, You're though. so insulted. Uh, well, it's just geez. funny that, like, I don't even think denim existed when J.R.R. Tolkien wrote those books. Existed in w- when Middle Earth was real? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, there, there's a quote from Tom York, though, that uh, they were trying to fit as many chords into each song as was possible, and it kind of became like a um, a competition. A cheeky game. Uh, yeah, a little bit of, like, Pekka measuring. Um, did I say Becker in England? Um, and uh, you know, he'd win that contest, Colin. Um, yeah. but uh, <laughs> big dick Colin, over there. <laughs> yeah, BDC. But um, I think that yeah, that really comes through in a good way, too. I think there's a lot of bands that uh, are really being ambitious. Um, and sometimes it can just come off oversaturated and too busy. Um, but I think that it, it really works and I'm glad that they reined it in and, and, uh, as the albums continue to go, but I think there's some songs where it's just like, Whoa, going a lot of places. Um, in just a verse alone, starting with uh, planet telex. And I think you wanted to make a correction about this song musically. I did. I said planet telex had a key change and I'm not sure that it did, but it does have, um, it is bookended 
by a opening and then used again at the end. It's like an intro outro section on the piano. We'll we'll listen to it uh, in a few minutes here. Um, that is distinct from the main progression of the rest of the song. But I think it actually, it's it, listening to it as much as I have the last couple of weeks, I think it might all be in the same key. Do you want to play it? Um, just because right away, I think just by like, the intro is a little soft, kind of wind blowing, but musically, I'm so much more engaged than um, uh, Pablo, honey. Um, are you like, do you kind of, I mean, no, we love this album more, but like from this song alone, just comparing apples to apples. You know what, Zach? I'm going to have to go ahead and push back a little bit and say, I'm not going to play it right now. No, no, I was asking. Because, uh, and the answer's no. Oh, right. right. And the reason is, is <laughs> because I want us to just get into a little bit before we kind of break it down song by song here. Yeah. Um, sorry, I was hasty. No, no, don't be sorry. You do ne- you on this apo- on this podcast we do not apologize. Even when we uh, say things that are ignorant and harmful. Um <laughs> which which is called podcast. Uh no, what I wanted to do is just maybe Get into a little bit of the background here mm, and mm-hmm. then get your general thoughts on Totally, the totally. So I feel really uncomfortable since our fight. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It's hard it's hard to get bitch slapped in public like this. And I think you're doing a great job. <laughs> this is me. I'm feeling so threatened by finding out that Colin is older than Johnny that I'm like now doubling down and mistreating you. Um, well, where did we leave off? We were talking about just sort of what the band had been doing in their off time. And, and you had to put your foot down again last week, if yep, I recall. But hang right. on, Zach. We'll get to it in the yeah, bends. Take it easy there, brother. But I, I, um, I know from my teacher, guitar teacher, I mentioned him before, Scott Namini who I've been thinking about for the last week and how cool he was that uh, the band really did a lot of growth and education musically uh, from Pablo Honey to the Benz. Yeah. Um, So where we left off is they are burnt the fuck out from a huge uh, American tour. Jumping in swimming pools. (laughs) Yeah. European tour. They're a little bit like unsure about like what kind of image they're presenting and I think what happens is is they decidedly take more control over what they're doing this time. It's not the rush job that it was on Pablo Honey. This time they have a lot more open-ended time in the studio. They uh, have a new producer, John Leckie. Uh, they are running the boards also. So the additional production on this album is credited to Radiohead, Jim Warren, and then a name that is going to come up a lot of other times throughout this podcast, Nigel Godrich, uh, they who will produce if Radiohead do in fact have albums after this, uh, he produces every single one. Yeah, and so not only is this their first collaboration with Nigel Godrich, uh, this is also their uh, first collaboration with artist Stanley Donwood. Who, oh, I didn't know that. I yeah. thought that was the next one. That's cool. No, he does the little. He does all the album artwork on this. I mean, the cover is a kind of uh, a reuse, a repurposing of mm-hmm. an image uh, that is not made by Stanley Donwood, but he does all the liner note art and everything like that on this oh, album. Okay. And he'll do all the album artwork. <laughs> From here on out, he's Tom's. And again, we're talking about Tom York, singer mm-hmm. of Radiohead. He's his art school mate. And uh, so that's funny because he looks like decidedly older than him. Maybe maybe he is a few years older. But in any case, they know each other from art school. And he will work with Radiohead on all their albums from here on out. 
All that to say, in my opinion, this is the album where Radiohead becomes Radiohead. And even though mm-hmm. it is distinct from what will be a further maturation of their sound from mm-hmm. here on out, this is the first album that is kind of Radiohead putting their flag in the sand and saying, we have our own ideas about like the image that we're presenting here. Mm-hmm. There's a very clear aesthetic, mm-hmm. and there's a sound that is... Um, much more individual and much more distinct than we were dealing with on Pablo Honey. And with that, I want to hand it over to you and say, what are your general thoughts about the Benz? I've been listening to it a lot, so have you hit me. Well, I'll do a younger brother power move and ask your question, uh, or answer your question with a question. Do you think that the silicone toy on the cover looks like Tom York? Yes. I've heard that that's intentional. Oh, interesting. Um, So a little food for thought there. Um, but, uh, I think my general thoughts are it's, it's great. Um, I echo a lot of your, uh, your thoughts there that, that they really kind of come into their own and, and there's something decidedly different happening with this band in comparison to uh, other popular acts, um, of the time, um, on the album cover again, I think that it is also, uh, like such a tide turner and it's so cool that they were able to do that by album two. It is very 90s uh, imagery, which I love the 90s, but like it is also just like another band I could see having that album cover. Okay, computer? Nuh-uh. That's, that's, uh, well, I haven't heard that album yet, but the album cover is very unique. So there's just, that's kind of, for me, the stamp on the whole album is so great, but um, still just a lot of influence from other artists and other of course, they're always going to be influenced by other artists, but like, but still of its time in a way. Yeah, absolutely. This is this. I agree with everything you're saying. This album is, uh, has a style that is specific to Radiohead, but it still is a little more nestled in that '90s alternative rock sound than what they would do from here on out. Um, I gotta say. I don't know if I've ever listened to this album as much as I have in uh-huh. the last couple of weeks, and um, I really love it. Uh-huh. And with that, should we get into the album itself? Uh, yeah, I just want to do a little tease. Um, this album does feature one song that is definitely in my top 10 favorite songs of theirs, and oh. two songs that are in my top 20, and I'm not going to say what they are, so we can oh, go. Okay, so that's a nice tease. And I will also tease that I have... Uh, um, both a take that I think will annoy Zach about um, a song, and I and I I honestly hope to God it's not the song that isn't his top ten songs. I um, feel like it could be. I think it might be too. Oh, we'll see, man. Um, and I also have what I consider to be a hot uh, take about this album, uh, a, a revisionist take. Okay, well, and with that, um, you heard it a little bit last week. We're going to start with the opening. Of uh, the Benz Planet Telex. Which stays in the same key the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to that wind. Already, already a little bit of like, we've discovered some new sounds and some new techniques. Yeah, they, they, I think in the studio, I picture them going, okay, computers. Like, because that that wind feels like a computer. Hold on, mate. What'd you just say? (laughs) You said, okay, computers. It's already named. Mate, I like that. Right now, we're going to focus on the bends, yeah? But later, we'll see if we can't do something with that. Well, okay in this bit, computers. I like to imagine that the bends didn't have an album title yet. And they're like, 
We'll think about that later. What are you going to go do? I'm just going to go down in my diving bell. <laughs> I'm filming. Hold on, mate. <laughs> I watched The Abyss last night. <laughs> okay, now, Planet Telex. Uh, this is a single from the album. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, wow. Or it's the B-side of the of the single with, I think, like fake plastic tricks. It's not distortion. Or whatever effect he's got going yeah, on. Yeah, there's like a tremolo on there. And... I think Ed is also doing just a like on his. Yeah, God, I am just bursting at the seams with like who's doing what. Yeah, speak on it. So uh, I don't know. I just the thing I love about Johnny Greenwood on the this album and the next one is that the guitar work is so adventurous, or is it? Because he's working off of I think Johnny Greenwood plays a Strat most of the time, and a Strat's a great guitar, but like his effects board and pedal at this time is still just like something you or I could buy and probably operate not as well but like it is really really cool what they're able to pull off with a a relatively basic setup and not in this song but I think the handsome man does have little inputs that are are hard to pick out um, but are are decidedly there so it just feels like a really strong group effort and I think Phil is crushing it yeah absolutely and I think that we should maybe even play a little game of what is the handsome man doing in each song I'm super down um, but Zach that is actually um, a very astute observation because there is a concentrated uh, I'm sorry uh, there is a very intentional effort on this album to be a three guitar band. This was mm. this was actually uh, consciously figured out by the band, and the way it more or less breaks down is on every song. Tom is playing rhythm guitar, Johnny is playing lead, and Ed is doing the effects. Now I don't know mm-hmm. if it's if it's um, a hard and fast rule that that is how it goes on every single song, but they are very much embracing the fact that they are a three guitarist band. Uh, on Pablo Honey, on quite a few of the songs, it's three guitars playing more or less the same thing. And I think they're really, really figuring out that, that it looks c- stupid for a six foot five man to just be playing a tambourine all the time with a guitar. <laughs> <right now. laughs> and um, we're going to talk more about um, Radiohead's live appearances during this time in the next episode. But I have to imagine this had got to be such a fun time to see them live because mm-hmm. they're really doing a wall of guitar sound and mm. they're a and they're a rock band at this time and then here it comes now the other thing i want to say about this choice of an opening track if i'm the head of emi mm-hmm. and i hear this mm-hmm. right as your opener for the album i'm a little scared right because i fucking signed you mm-hmm. because you have creep like I hear, I'm the head of EMI. I hear this. I'm like, boys, <laughs> get in my in my office now, and you be the boys. Oi, what the fuck is this, mate? Uh, yeah, I can't do that. I don't know, <laughs> but mild energy of just like, yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, you know yeah. when Tom gets pissed, and it's this is an audio medium, but there's one interview where he gets visibly annoyed, and he uh, doesn't go like. Uh, I want you off the fucking set. He doesn't do that. He goes, yeah, yeah. He gets short. Oh, and I wonder, yeah, and I wonder if um, when the head of EMI, Mister Darling from Peter Pan, uh, calls them in all angry, if he, you know, if they're still kind of in 
what what is it sir or if they're fully confident and like no this is what's coming out well that's what i i think they're fully confident i feel like there's some songs uh coming up here that are very much like put that on there i could not agree more but i think that i think as far this as this is an the, opener i think as far as the attitude they're taking because like, to me it's like i said i'm the head of emi i'm like we had a lot we look we had a nice fucking thing going with creep and then you pull this bloody shite, put the planet Telex. <laughs> the fuck does that even mean? We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Bit fun, isn't it? Yes, there you go. That's yeah. what I was trying to harness. Yeah. Good. And then almost as if to go, look, we under we understand you got a business to run here. Yeah. Mr. Head of EMI. Yeah. The next song. We'll scratch your back. The next song, they say. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen to track two. Mm, disagree. I think even just the bring it out is like a little bit artsy, and EMI would uh, head would be annoyed. Yeah. yeah. What you the fuck is that? Lose this bit of talking. Yeah. We won't. But yeah. compare this. So this is the title track, the Benz. Yeah. A very, very radio friendly song. Uh, very much so. But uh, let's listen. Now compare that belted. Yeah, that is still reminiscent of our friend Bono. Um, <laughs> but compare that to the one note that we liked in the song Not Creep. Uh, I believe it's you off Pablo mm-hmm. Honey. God, these fucking song titles. But uh, compare that belted note um, to this one. And I think there's just a little bit more confidence behind it. Absolutely. And also, this is a straight ahead rock song, but you can hear... Johnny Greenwood mm-hmm. most likely is playing some sort of like Hammond organ there. Now, okay. I got to tell you, this is not my favorite song. Me neither, uh, but it hasn't happened yet because I fucking love this part. I really like the verses. This verse. I think we're going to dislike the same part. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to hear about your girlfriend. Oh my God. Zach. This is, I have a theory on where that came from, though. I think I this is Ed O'Brien's input because who has a girlfriend but Ed O'Brien? <laughs> and he's like, ah, I got this little bit. Yeah. And like Tom York was like, what the fuck? And he's like, just trust me. People will relate to people like Dana. Yeah. People have girlfriends. Yeah. Two in my case. So, okay. Actually, here it comes. Let's play the part. Yeah. I wanted to talk about this part, too. That is so funny. So th- here we go. This section. Oh. But drums, killer. I don't like the production of the drums. I don't either, but I... Okay, here it goes. But this is fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. because it alternates. Yeah. Because of the minor. Mm. Oh, that's good. <laughs> we both went mm, with yeah. no planning at the same time. <laughs> and grossly bit our lip. <laughs> yeah. Guys, if you could see the amount of satisfied faces well, made on this podcast. But, but like I think you can sort of gauge this is a really big fucking stretch, but like the gyrations a song makes your body do, if they're more rudimentary, you better believe that the song might be a little bit oh, this is fucking tight. But like this song makes me want to just like rock in a simplistic way, bang my head, maybe a little jettisoning of the hips, but um, nothing overly complex about it. Oh fuck! And then we go back and into then, this bullshit again. Yeah. So I think this part sucks. Yeah. And um, oh wait, I like this. Yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> here's here's so I it's interesting. So this is my low light of the album. Is this section not the song? The song right. is 
Like, I mean, the song's good. It's not. The, the this rest bridge of the is kind of weak. Yeah, it's just, it's fine. It's just, I. My thing is, is for I know I get why this is on here. Um, it's the title track. I do think the Benz is a great title for the album. Uh, the reason this album is called the Benz is Tom is comparing their rapid rise to fame and the disorienting effect of it to Mm -hmm. decompression sickness. Mm -hmm. So I think that's great. I like that lyrically and thematically. So I get why you're on the nose, isn't it? I think it's cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I get why you're going to have this song on the album, but there is actually a B side um, that I think is super radio friendly, super catchy and, and should have been a single that is not included on this album that I want to play for you that you may or may not know. Curveball. I did not know it until uh, my deep dive on this album for the podcast. This also gets me into what I consider to be my hot take about this album in general, Zach, if Mm -hmm. I can lay this on you. I'm ready. Which is, I think that um, some of the B-sides are better than songs that are included on this album. Even though I really like this album... There are songs that I would lose and B-sides that I think would have been better. And we'll get into that more why I why I, I it's total speculation on my part, but I have a theory about why some of the decisions might have been made by the band. Deep as, state. I do think that this is a <laughs> I, I think that th- this goes all the way to uh, It's a sign that Q left us 25 years exactly. ago. Exactly. <laughs> this is I think Tom Hanks is clone because that is a clone that is not Tom oh, Hanks. God. Made them keep it up. He was What? <laughs> have you not heard that? Yeah. No. That's like a Q thing is that it's like a lot of these crazier? celebrities have been killed and or been, have been killed by the deep states and those are clones. <laughs> Fuck, dude. But that's a different podcast. Um I do want to talk about that would you say that that Talking to my girlfriend, I wish it was the 60s section. Is that your low light of the album? No, because that was a revelation, I think, within the last couple days that I was like, it never really quite hit right with me, but I have a low light and it's coming soon, but okay, I'll, I'll keep it hidden. So I like your theory that it's that's Ed's contribution because he's the me handsome too. man and he must have a, have a girlfriend. I have a different theory. Tell me. Which is that Tom is Tom is like feeling a little self-conscious that everyone has associated him with being a creep and a weirdo. And then this album, comes right. out, he's like, Hey, I have a girlfriend. Yeah. Got a moderate size cock. And it's <laughs> yeah, really exactly. He's just like, I know I relative said, to a... my height. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I think uh, first of all, I do think if we're going to speculate about penis size, I think Tom has big dick energy, but you know, that's neither here or there. No, I, I was fully and I'm not planning a size queen. through the course of the episodes to speculate who has BDE relative to, or like who has BDE and who actually has BD. Absolutely. Well, I think Tom has, probably BDE. has BD. Okay. And BDE. I'm just going to hold off and say BDE for right now. But I think you raise a super, super, super good point. I don't want to tip my hand to thank where you. I think this really comes. Wow. Thank you for saying I raise a super, super good point. No, no. Well, I, I mean, probably this. because it love ties where in this is going. to my point. So I you know, think it's oh, a good point. Oh, that's why you like my point. I know. But no, I I, uh, I really think that um, they were like, okay, if you're going to do something different, make a fucking good album, um, then... We do kind of need to remarket this band a little bit because, I mean, even in the video for Creep, Tom York's face is is difficult to make out. So we just assume he's the silhouette. And there is a music video 
um, for uh, one of the songs on this album. And you could tell that they were like, can we make this guy a sex symbol? And it decidedly doesn't work. Interesting. And, you know, I mean, this is me projecting. I don't know if that's, that was a conversation, but you never see that again in Radiohead's music videos because you never see them again in their music videos after yeah. this. And, or if you uh, do, it's still in some, there's still some like esoteric element, like him, his head being in the water tank and the no surprises video. Yeah. Or, or being like digitally rendered in house of cards. Yeah. Um, so I think that there was a little bit of an effort because in, in now to more than ever, um, disgraced comedian, Lucy K actually has a bit about it, about like, why is everyone so good looking? Who's also an artist. Yeah. And I think that this was a time where, um, bring up our friends Green Day again, like, yeah, friend of the show, not ugly, but not like those guys were musicians. They weren't athletes or models. Right. And there was an effort to kind of market bands. I think probably because the boy bands is like potentially like good looking or, Hey, it's a, you know, we get a two for here. Right. Um, and Radiohead more so than even Green Day. They're, it, we've talked about their looks in a joking way. They are just Brits looking people, neither good nor bad. And uh, I think the girlfriend lyric and a couple of the music videos, along with a couple of the love songs, are the strong studio influence. Sure, you know? I, I could buy that. I could definitely buy that. And um, I'm God. I got to tell you, I'm so curious what your low light is. I have a speculation about what song it will be, mm. um, but. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't like the girlfriend lyric. I don't like the production. I don't like that heavy distortion on the drums. Um, Me neither. In, in general, I really like the production on this album, but it, what I think that there's that's just a moment that dates it. Uh, and um, I think that there there are production choices that are still trying to sell this to mm -hmm. the MTV generation in a way that Radiohead really gets away from mm -hmm. um, in their future career. The other thing I, that makes that part my low light is the same reason the Jim Morrison lyric was the low light <laughs> in the last one is I realized I don't like that. He mentions the sixties because Radiohead, even when they're being very specific in their targets later in their career, they wrap up their lyrics in like a certain amount of vagary that makes it more timeless. And Tom York talking about this. I don't like him referencing things that right, are a hundred years from now. People will be like, what? 1860s. Yeah, like we, what? Sixties. Yeah. What's a radio. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I just don't like him like referencing, uh, something that specific in yeah. the same way. I don't like him referencing Jim Morrison. I don't want him talking about the 1960s. Everyone a, was still super on the nose developing way. as songwriters. And I think that is one thing that is very clear. You were talking about Ed O'Brien, you know, getting more involved in on the guitar. I think Phil really grew as a drummer. We don't get a taste of our sweet older brother until the next album in terms of his brilliance. But, uh, you know, Playing the bass is hard, guys, and you don't always get to shine. So everyone um, was still finding their voice, and I think Tom York is a brilliant lyricist, and he was not yet tapped into that genius. I, I will say, I do think that um, Colin, in the opening track, we didn't highlight it, but he uh, he comes in with a really sick counter melody, which oh, I think I is what is it. super good about his bass playing is, well, let's, we're going to listen to the intro planet telex again, but listen to when he comes in, he's going do, 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 over the, it's really cool. So I'm going to just skip ahead a little bit. 
could be that I only have the left. There he is. Listen. Sorry. It's just cool. It's like yeah. he could he could be playing like the the root notes there, and mm-hmm. he's he's giving it uh. Uh, way more, way more rhythm. Such a difficult instrument to be um, adventurous on, guys and girls. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and so, uh, okay, so we've covered two songs. So, What's our, what was the? Did you want to talk about a B side or two? At least give me the the titles. Uh, we'll get to the B sides. Okay. Let's get through. Let's get through the album okay. tracks. Right. Um. So so far, we've got what I consider to be a very strong statement piece is the opening. Like, hey, we're doing something different, and then track two. Don't worry, we're still a rock band. Mm-hmm. If you came here from Pablo Honey, there's still a place for you here. And then, but we made it a little sweeter, Honey, though. Mm. A song if you're a casual Radiohead fan, there's a good chance you know. Mm-hmm. It, a song that the studio said, guys, Cheryl Crow is really popular right now. This is a very, very, very shitty uh, song. Radi- <laughs> oh, you do not like this song. No, I'm joking. No, of course I don't dislike it. So this it. is a very radio-friendly song, a uh, very, very accessible soft rock song. I happen to really love it. Zach, your well, thoughts. And right this now I'm high and dry, apologizing right? to you. The first, but I want to apologize for saying it's a shitty song. because Remember I, when I said on this podcast we don't apologize? I break in the rule, man. I, I feel bad for saying that. Like, God will smoke me. Um... Fortunately, I'm an atheist, though, so uh, that's not going to happen. But I, I just felt a little bad in my heart because this is, I think, the second Radiohead song I learned how to play on the guitar, which is a very special thing. It's like, um, yeah, when you learn how to play some songs of an artist you love, there's like a, a magical synapse firing. And I played this song for many months. Um, and uh, But, you know, now listening to it, it's, it's really hard. I was talking about like listening to music with a purpose earlier. Um, you can't escape the fact that this is a verse, chorus, verse, chorus with an extra chorus at the end, um, repetition wise. And it's kind of a little bit on the boring side, made boring by the fact that you know what is possible musically for this band to do. Um, I don't know. That's a lot of, of expectation to put on a band in their second album, but it's the low point of the album for me, for sure. This the, song, the song is your is, low light? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, okay. I, I loved listening to this album again. Uh, like you would have been some time. It had been 13 years for me. And uh, I listened to the Benz nonstop for months when I was going through my Radiohead in chronological order uh, in 2009. And uh, I hadn't done that with this album in a while. And I was like not wanting to listen to the song again the second time through the album last night. Okay, fair enough. I, I don't have a ton to add. I mean, it's a very basic song. Um, very simple. I just think it's got a great melody. And it, it's, you know, as far as like a 90s anthem is a little bit undeniable. It's not my favorite Radiohead song. It's not my favorite song on the album, but I like it. I'm surprised that that is your low light because uh, do you mind if I skip to the next song? Not at all. The vocals are good on this song. I want to say that much. Yeah. So, and it's also, I, I think as far as placement in the album, um, I also think it's very smart that we've had yeah. kind of like something to break the rock tension. Absolutely. It's like the opening track is very spacey. And then we've got a very hard rocking song. And then it's like, Hey, we're also this doing solo too is rock. so just just yeah they just come on boys you can do better it's poppy it's a poppy song 
Um, and so then, following High and Dry, we have what I thought was going to be Zach's low light of the album, Fake Plastic And, you know, treats. that's a common thing that people fall into. But <laughs> thinking that that's going to be Zach's low light of the band. Uh, that's what I thought was going to happen, because I, I usually skip this song, too. But I think Tom York's vocal work in this song is uh, really, really, really great. Uh, yes. I like this song. I like the lyrics of this Me song too. a lot. Um it's a very emotional song. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the one thing I will say is, to me, this is the first sequencing issue on the album. Mm. I think it's bad placement to have this right after High and Dry, because I it's agree. arranged the exact same way. But this is like track seven. I think that they should break it up. And yeah. I think they run into this same problem later um, with Just and My, My Iron, Iron Lung. Lung. I agree. Those songs need to be three songs apart yeah they're arranged the exact same way the songs are completely different and mm-hmm. same with this and high and dry but they do kind of run into one like pocahontas soundtrack type song where like i think this song is is you know how do you just quantify better but it to me it's more interesting and uh yeah they they need some blocking in between them in the form of even like a. You don't put the Benz, the title track, in between this one, but there are other rock songs. Maybe put My Iron Lung in between the two of them. I think even though the Benz is not uh, a highlight of the album, for me it makes sense to have it yes. front-loaded because, again, it's like it's a, it's a big, big song, and they're kind of like making their bro contingent feel safe. Here's one benefit, though, to the sequencing issue, and I agree that is an issue on a lot of... on all Radiohead albums, actually. Um, but... It does make the back half of the album so much fun to listen to. Like, I, when I was listening to it the last couple nights, I was like, oh, you know, maybe I, I don't love the Benz as much as I thought I did. Nay, I just hadn't gotten to the back half. Oh, wow. So that's a preview. For oh, see, like that. He's really embracing the, the my voice is really, really pretty. The song's beautiful. Um, now... Does it make me sad because does it, wear you it out? reminds me? It, <laughs> does it wear me out because it reminds me of my ex and us driving around listening to it in her car? Yes, but that's not Radiohead's fault, Zach. Mm-mm. And you know what? I'm literally almost emotional though because that's just this song I have tied to uh, a sad period in my life that is not necessarily tied to another person, but it is an emotional song. Like this part. Oh. Yeah, so the, when I listen to this now, it makes me go like, my God, 20 years have passed, and, you know, uh, and who am I, and, you know, should I be alive? Questions like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, listen, if you um, don't want music that is evocative and inextricably tied to highs and lows in your life and doesn't bring up feelings then you should go fucking listen to Coldplay because that's not what you're going to get with Radiohead. This is the best part right here. So great. Yeah. So like, yeah, if you're scared to feel things, go listen to another band is what I'm saying. And I'll also say go listen to another podcast because we're not afraid to... And also do go listen to Coldplay. Yeah, that's fine. Um... Because Coldplay will really help you out by telling you uh, when their albums will be released in the future and how many more they have left. (laughs) The most un-Radiohead move of all time. Well, we're under contract to do three more albums, so we'll have our third one out by 2025. I was like, wow, way to make music seem inorganic and manufactured, you fucking 
ex-husband of Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, wow, really passionate. Yeah, and he seems like a nice guy, too. Now, almost oh. as if Radiohead heard me say that this song brings up some painful memories and I want to be having a good time. Almost as if they were like, you know what, Walker, stick with us. Even though that you're feeling some things that in are the future <laughs> no, that are challenging right now, we've done you a little favor, and we followed this song up with Bones. Now, this is a really sneaky favorite of mine. On the nice. Album. What do you think about this song? I always forget about this song. Me too. And uh, I think this song feels like um, it's not an insult. Oh, this bass line. Come on, Colin. This is the most. Um, Come on, Colin. Get in the pool. Water's the- warm. <laughs> Be awesome. Yeah. Oh, can, can can I can I have a standout moment on this album, boy? Sure, and Ed, you even get to strum because <laughs> you know Ed is doing the. This is the most Pixies derivative song on the Big album. time. Well, that's why it reminds me so much. Yeah, the chorus is, is very Pixies. The loud, quiet, loud. The bass line is very Pixies. And even the song being called Bones. Bones and like kind of like body stuff is a real yeah, theme yeah. in Pixies. Um, big time. Yeah, it's so funny when like even... <laughs> it's not... They're paying homage or maybe they weren't even doing that. But when they're... It's evocative of... Oh man, here comes this chorus. I like rules. what Johnny Greenwood is doing on the coming in. Because, you know, and Ed, we love you, but you know Ed can't lay down that kind of groove. No, I mean, and Johnny just plays with a lot of attitude. Yeah, I, I, dude, that guy has been hard on his body, uh, not like a David Bowie kind of way, but like, but like David Bowie, dancing around hard, and he seems to just be no worse for the wear. Like, he, that dude rocks out, and uh, I guess uh, the message there is live healthy, because Johnny Greenwood doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. You know what's so funny, too? I was joking about Ed, but uh, I can play the guitar. Um, as Radiohead told us, anyone can play the guitar. But when you watch them, like, in their basement sessions in the In Rainbows era, he is focusing so hard on what he's doing, and... I almost feel like maybe he has a little bit of stage fright. I, I don't know. Now I'm speculating too much, but I think that Ed is probably a really good musician and uh, he just has to focus really, really hard on his guitar parts because they do seem very highly organized and not improvised whatsoever. That's how you know when Johnny Greenwood comes in because he's just like, fuck, I'll lay it down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Johnny Greenwood, his guitar playing only gets short shrift in my mind if because he's so fucking good at everything else that I forget that he's also just a great rock guitarist. He is. And I, I thank Rolling Stone for adding him as number 63 on 100 Greatest Guitar Players of All Time. I mean, I would have loved if they moved him up six and made him number 69, but, you know, I'll take it. Down six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Yes. Um, thank you. <laughs> I mean, number one uh, is Jimi Hendrix, so... I don't think he could have taken that spot, but I put him in my, my top five. He's like that cool friend you have who can like do a double backflip and never mentions it again. Uh-huh. Like when you get like it, the fact that he can break out like John for He's like that friend we all have who can suck their own dick. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> I was g- about to break another rule and apologize for saying fuck earlier. And I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all have this friend. 
I do not have that. Pet. I mean, is it you? <laughs> <laughs> this is how I tell you. <laughs> um, yeah, we all have that friend who's that had a older, rib removed. <laughs> yeah, that older brother who can and does suck his own dick. <laughs> Okay, uh, that song rules, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, as you hear, Nice Dream has started playing. Yeah, this is an okay song. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, so for me, when we were first lis- when I was first listening to this album over the last couple weeks, mm-hmm. this was one that I cut. Mm-hmm. And it has become... It has signs of what's to come with the, the other strings in the background, which I really like. You know what, dog? This song has grown on me to be... Not only is it one of my, fa- I think it's my favorite of the like of the more low key songs on this album. I, it just, it's the number two spot in that uh, section for me. Second to fake plastic trees. No, um, I do like that song. Oh, street spirit. No, I, I still wouldn't put that in the slow. Sorry, why don't I let you say it? <laughs> no, 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 that's okay because I was stalling because I forget the name of the song that occupies the number one spot for me. Um, but I, I don't know what the heck I was talking about, man. I love this song. I love as it... Uh, oh, you love this song? Yeah, and nice when I said it's an okay song. Fuck me for trying to be, like, clever. Um, no, Bulletproof, I Wish I Was, is my favorite slow song. Okay. This we'll is my... Oh, and yeah, getting ahead of myself. But there you go, guys. That's my first sneak peek that I tip my hand on. <laughs> Wait, I, and we we got to your low light already was... was high and dry. Okay. Yeah. How ironic for a song with the word high in the title to occupy the low spot. I agree. Low and wet, too. (laughs) (laughs) Low and sloppy. (laughs) Low and wet like me when I'm sucking my own dick. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... (laughs) Nice pull. Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. I love... These backing vocals. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Get ready for OK Computer, guys, because it's coming. Yeah, um... So, yeah, this is, a, I guess that's all I have to say about this song, that it doesn't have the most distinct melody. And so upon this re-listen, where, like I say, I've been listening to the Ben straight through for about two weeks now. And he's doing some sick bends right there. Yeah, that's it, it's a double meaning. It not only is decompression sickness, but also what you can do with the high strings of your electric guitar. Yeah. Um, oh, and, but, yeah, God. so now that this song has kind of burrowed into my consciousness a little more it's a favorite of mine on the album which i was very surprised by because first few listens through i'm like um this song is boring and they should have dropped it from the album who do you think is strumming on the acoustic tom okay yeah i thought maybe there's a chance that was strumming but i've only ever seen him play an electric no Ed doesn't know how to play guitar (laughs) (laughs) he learned on tour for uh, kid A, <laughs> where there's very little guitar work. Yeah, exactly. Um, Ed knows how to like hold like a piece of metal over the strings that we assume is doing something super interesting because it looks weird. But He's we... like Jimmy Page used a violin bow. Yeah, I could kind of do that. Yeah, I'm holding a magnet. Yeah. Oh, they're like, oh, like a dobro. No, not like that. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so that's nice dream. I'm going to pause it for a second. Anything else you want to say about what we've heard so far? Or? Um, just that uh, we've been we've been uh, kidding around. Yeah, with we're having old, a lot of fun. With old Ed, but uh, I day. teased earlier that I think he does have musical input. That is like, oh, and I only know that from what I've seen him do live in later albums. 
And I just hold on to that because those songs are coming up and I want to see if you agree. But I'm, I'm ready to move on. That song is great, though. So I and I believe. Oh, I guess we haven't really talked about the like that. I believe Bones is the end of side one of this album. And so Nice Dream is the opening of side two. And I think um, even though I would have I would switch bones and fake plastic trees so i think that you just make the minor adjustment of going high and dry bones then fake plastic trees you get a nice effect of breaking apart those two more acoustic based songs but i do really really like nice dream as like a palette cleanser opening up the next side um and what it leads into is in my opinion uh an absolute peak of Radiohead at their most rocking. This Just play is... the song. <laughs> Thank you, Zach. Wait, I'm sorry. What's the title of this song that you um, just want me to play? Uh, I forget. <laughs> <laughs> this is Just by Radiohead. A single. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I guess we're in store for an acoustic. Oh, what? Oh, oh. What's he doing? Crank it up a little, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm used to this melody, Walker. Yeah. Yeah. We'll Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. An, an actual key change, not a falsely reported key change, like me about Planetelic. So this song is where I read the same thing that you said, that um, Johnny wrote the music to this song. Mm-hmm. And you and he can tell. Oh, man. Get that... in as many chords mm-hmm. as possible. Uh, yeah, and this song. Let's listen to this chorus. I mean, that is is different. So this song gives us so much of a, of what we've heard and what we haven't heard. So mm-hmm. the tremolo picking, we've heard that on Creep. We, I mean, here it is Ugh, right here. This is so good. And guys, this is like a uh, guys, guys. <laughs> this is a <laughs> everyone hold up. Um, this is not overly complex for like the. Uh, amateurish guitar player, but it's not easy to write. That's the thing that Radiohead do so well is like a lot of their songs are really difficult to play on any instrument. But um, this is why, yes, Dragon Force are a better uh, band in terms of their than skill. Radiohead. Yes, than than anybody on the planet. But their music is not more interesting because it's what you do and how you uh, deploy it. And the tremolo picking over a diminished scale, I want to say, is really, really hard to, to write into a song. And they do it amazingly. Yeah, I mean, I think this song is, for me, is probably the height of the album. Um, just in terms of it combining everything you're saying, that, that they're doing weird art rock, but this song is also like a headbanger. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like... Oh, it, actually, if I could just shut up because this is. Yep, we're going to change keys again. Section. First of all, the fucking tone on that guitar. It's is so clean. So it's very strapped. Like this would not come through on a Gibson. And now it's and we're also in. It's seamlessly blended together to completely different musical sections here, and then this crazy tremolo solo. That's that might be Ed right there doing that weird. That weird scratchy. Thing. I think so. Uh, uh, maybe live, but I think that this all feels like a Johnny Greenwood uh, 
So, so this song to me just represents like the peak of their powers at this point because mm-hmm. it's basically going like, yeah, we we hear you, Seattle grunge. Like we are aware of you, and we see you, and we raise you a bunch of fucking weird Johnny Greenwood chords, and that it's seamlessly blending those things so well. And we are about to approach what for me is the musical highlight of the entire album. Right at the because right here we have the birth of Groove Radiohead. Right, locked into the what the fuck? Locked into the groove. Yep, because the song could have ended and been amazing. Right here, this is this is. I hear Colin. Right here, grooving, and I'm coming because right there when that guitar kicks in. Fuck yes. Um, so that to me is the first example we've got of what is one of my favorite versions of Radiohead is what I call Groove Radiohead, where they are just locked into a groove, just the chops on display, like Colin, Phil, mm-hmm. so locked into the groove there, and then the guitar players can noodle around on top of that, and it's really, really nice, and I think that defines the best moments of future albums, Hail to the Thief, mm-hmm. and a strength that they are really, really reveling in on In Rainbows is kind of Radiohead. A lot of those songs feel very, very locked into like, oh, we came up with this this groove, this mm-hmm. bass line, or this line on the synth or the sampler, and then we build the song on top of that. Even though it's just the end of that song, it feels like they could have built a whole song around that little section if they wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is the song I think I'll have the most to say about because uh, I, I was really on my phone. Um, because I was looking for the YouTube channel uh, that um, has a maybe a 10-minute video on this song. Um, I, it's uh, by David Bennett Piano, and it's called How Radiohead Use Modes. So it's not about this song in the title. I think a second ago I said that... Um, Johnny Greenwood is playing a diminished uh, scale and tremolo picking. I don't know if that's correct, but he's playing a, a non-traditional scale. It's not major or minor. So we'll just leave it there. So hold your letters. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of interesting guitar work on display and I think the music video, did you get a chance to watch a music video? This oh, I love time this recently? Video. I think that uh, is like, I don't want to say work of genius, but it's it's very much like Radiohead got creative control, and that probably has Super to do with conceptual. Yeah, it probably has to do with um, uh, how successful the album had been. It does not feel like a first single video because they feel like they got a decent amount in the authorship of it. Like, oh, I want it to be this because uh, it, it's kind of bifurcated. There's like a story happening that feels very Karma Police as far as music videos and like a story that is sort of artsy, but like is puzzling Mm -hmm. almost creepy. Um, I think uh, maybe the movie us was inspired by this (laughs) music video. Oh, sure. And um, I'm I'm half joking, but uh, it also is funny because talking about that, they didn't quite like the studios, maybe even the band didn't know how to market Tom York just yet. I think this is the music video where they're like, could he be a sex symbol? Is that possible? Mm -hmm. He's wearing a leather jacket. He's jerking around like we're going to see in Kid A, but trying to organize it. And this is just speculation, and I am being half funny. But I, I honestly think that this music video is a really, really interesting story of what's going on in the band right now. Because for all the praise I just gave it, in that video I was speaking of, uh, he points out 
what song this sounds like and wow it's different it does sound a lot like smells like teen spirit which is a great song but it's different because um they are not doing power chords on the acoustic guitar and a power chord folks uh especially on electric is neither major nor minor it's just uh the lower two strings and uh radiohead don't do that the the opening um chord progression is c major to e flat to d to b flat but they're all fully formed chords that's why it gives it when you listen to it whether you care about any of that shit or not you're like oh different because Mm -hmm. it it sounds like something (laughs) sounds like teen spirit but it's not and uh and i'll shut up about that from there no no that's it those are great observations um that is the song that makes my top 10 of all radiohead songs i i and i i I have not worked out my top 10 Radiohead songs, but it's certainly my favorite of their rock songs from this certainly era. Certainly it can't be equal. <laughs> it's it's an incredibly good song. Yeah. But then we stay in this mode, and the next song we get, another single from the album, My Iron Lung. Sorry, My Iron Lung. Well, what is happening to my brain? This is a great song. This is a great song. Not as good as the, its uh, predecessor, but almost as good for me, and made better by the fact that, like, I have a really positive memory associated with this song, uh, which involves you. Oh. And um, uh, I hadn't got the album from the library yet, and this was summer 2008, so post in rainbows, you're full on, like, on fire for Jesus, for Radiohead, sorry. Yeah. And... Um, uh, I smoked a little weed. Um, okay. You were, Mom and Dad, turn off the podcast <laughs> if you're listening. Um, it was one of those visits, though, to the Bay when it was just like, you know, I knew I'd get exposed to good shit, and I was, you know, wanting to. And um, it was just like every time I would come down that year, you'd be like, oh, so you liked Scotch Mist, huh? Well, let me show you some old Radiohead. Usually when people are like, let me show you old Aerosmith. You're like, yeah, it sucks. you know. <laughs> but I just remember hearing this song and maybe it was, you know, I, it was like my fifth time smoking weed. So it was like magical. Mm. And this song is very psychedelic and trippy as is. And I just remember being in the backseat and just being like, holy shit. This might have been the tipping point for me to investigate further on my own, which I don't know why I hadn't done. But I was just like, whoa, I didn't know that bands could be this good on their second album. Uh, I, my mind was blown. I wish I remembered that. Um, well, once again, take your, a word for it. your very strong memory. Uh, uh, I, I wish I could have experienced but you have those, something. like with Jesse Rimler, maybe, right? Like when he showed you a song. Sure, yeah. I mean, but I think that you just have a better memory in general. I remember hearing the Velvet Underground for the first time in Jesse and his bandmate John's car and then blasting I'm Waiting for the Man. How do we he, feel about this part? I love it. Okay. I don't love the effect on his vocal. Me neither. Um, I love this section because to me, this is the seeds of what will become the rock section of Paranoid Android. Yeah, I agree. It's a little too much vocal manipulation or maybe just in the wrong way. I love the way it gets clean there again and comes back. I think this section's super cool. It always catches me. It's like very like... Uh, jarring in a great way the way it switches to that I just don't think you need that telephone effect and this is another one of those production choices that to me is just 
doesn't ruin the song. Dude, I would it's love to see them play this song live now to see if they do anything a little bit different to kind of clean it up. Because the song, God, this I don't is think so. They even really play songs from the Benz. No, no, they don't. But uh, I, this is so tight. Um, and you really feel the three guitar players. Yes. In this song. God, his vocals in this song, ladies and gentlemen, are outstanding throughout. See, so the song to me needs a build like that because the verses are so eerie. I don't love that it builds to this. I wish I, it's like, uh, th- see, this is good because I agree with you. We are here in shades of what's to come. I do love the breakdown we got coming up here is vocals. Yeah. Talking about them vocals, folks. Johnny Greenwood cannot play a normal solo. No. <laughs> it's so great. He's not a normal guitar player. He's special. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess if you take anything away from this podcast, we think Johnny Greenwood is a good musician. That's well, our hot take. And if you're frightened, we could be this frightened. Is, I think a great a great little bridge between these two bridges. Not overly complex what he's doing. No, just great sustain. I guess I shouldn't sing along in the mic. No, but the way he belts out that note Step aside, Bono. I've got my own voice. Yeah, sit down, Bono. Or should I say, bitch-o. He's like, I'm already sitting in Ireland. I'm not even in the same region as I you right now. I don't even think about you. He's like, I'm on fire with Zuropa right now, okay? Yeah. What? No. 95. Yeah, that would be about right. Yeah. Yeah, so oh. interesting parallel. They're, they're actually kind of uh, inverse of one another. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything uh, else you want to say about my Iron Lung? Just, I love your paranoid Android call because, uh, yeah, the, the the conclusion is very much in that vein. So, um, no, okay, I'm let's sorry, get I didn't it. Mean to catch up. So, no, no. did did I understand you correctly that this next song is your hot, favorite song on the album, or just your favorite of the more acoustically oriented? Yeah, like in the ambient slow songs. Okay. This is my favorite. So this is bulletproof ellipses. I wish I was getting a little bit cunty with the <laughs> with the arty fartiness yeah the, the naming convention is is not the greatest so we had a we had a little bit of a slight technical problem there but what you're hearing right now you look so scared <laughs> well you know it's scary it's scary when it tells you your audio and midi are not synchronizing correctly but we're listening to bulletproof i wish i was by the band radiohead uh, radiohead yeah radiohead um Tom York's uh, a really, really, really good guitar player, guys. Uh, and gals. I don't know. I need to stop doing that. Folks. Um, he has a unique style uh, in so many ways. His rhythm playing is really interesting in this song and in a lot of others. And that you can always hear that on the acoustic. And he uh, he does a lot of like kind of dissonant chords that have open, open strings, open notes that uh, other people can't really sing well over. And there's a lot happening... There's a lot of that happening in the song. It's a, it's a fun one to learn how to play. Really, really difficult to replicate. Okay, not a ton. Well, so no, I, I no. I love when the chorus. This was though. that okay was a introduction Ooh. to um, what is. This could be Ed. This is where Maybe. I think Ed O'Brien interject, injects finger picking. Uh, exactly, because there's some uh, some sweet, sweet footage, guys, on YouTube of them recording this album. Uh, they are all dressed cooler than anyone in the 90s has ever looked. 
And Ed O'Brien um, didn't write Street Spirit, but he, uh, on the recording of that song, plays uh, guitar throughout. And I've noticed um, it's not that they just give him the melodic kind of finger-picking minor high-pitched notes to play. I think that that is his contribution from a writing perspective. He really, really loves... On um, There's there's this... I don't want to get ahead of it, but this this kind of stuff is a, is definitely an Ed O'Brien interjection. I, I think. I shouldn't say it like I know. So here's uh, here's here's something that I uh, I gotta be honest about, man. Mm. After my Iron Lung, mm-hmm. the final third of this album, so the song this album has twelve songs, and these final four are a snooze for me. And this song, Bulletproof for me is one I cut from the album. Okay. Um, it just, I, it's pretty, uh, you'd leave, uh, what was this one? Well, there's B-sides that I, I, I really like Nice Dream, even though that one initially did not grab me on this re-listen a lot, but this is where I get into some speculative territory. I feel like there are better songs mm-hmm. in the B-sides than this one, but Radiohead is very very keen to be taken seriously at this point Mm. this is like i say this is all speculation Mm -hmm. but i feel like maybe a bulletproof makes it on instead of a couple of these b-sides that i'm going to play that i am a bigger fan of than this and a few of these other songs Mm -hmm. because some of the the b-sides a lot of the b-sides are very um straight ahead and very catchy melodies and a song like Bulletproof or the album Closer, Street Spirit, mm-hmm. are a little more Radiohead begging to be taken seriously. And I'm not saying they're bad songs. Totally. And I'm not saying that they are not absolutely worthy of being taken seriously at this point in their career. I just think that them asking to be taken seriously is less noticeable on the albums that follow this one, mm-hmm. it sounds more effortless. It absolutely isn't. There's blood, sweat, and tears going into no, that No, but work. that's a really good way to put it. But with this song, it feels to me a little bit like they're like, hey, we don't want to be the creep band anymore, but the songwriting just isn't as effortless. It sounds a little labored, and I'm just, I just don't think that the melody is really there. On Bulletproof or the last uh, third, like you were saying? Just all those songs. Well... Honestly, the next two songs for me, I've listened to this album nonstop for two weeks, and I could not even hum you the fucking melody of uh, oh. Black Star or Sulk. Are you okay? <laughs> no, I just think that they are just. I ju- well, we'll play them. Wait, 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 what did we want to inject your B sides, or is that fully after? We'll listen to those afterwards, but okay. I just don't get these next two songs. Black Star um, for me. I love this song, but I think the uh, titling of the track and therefore the chorus is really weak. Blame it on your black star. No, thank you. But I think the vocals are very strong, and uh, I think the lead into the chorus is pretty predictable, but really good. And uh, we we don't have to listen to the whole song, but the last verse. um, Definitely get through one chorus. There's a, a harmony overlaid, and it's one of my favorite vocal parts of this whole album. Okay. I yeah, keep falling I just, over, I keep passing out. It's that part. I see. Yeah, I and just... Colin. 
I look. I'm not offended by it. I, 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 there is not a song on this album that I think is a bad song. Here's the chorus. Zach is closing his eyes, mouthing the words. He looks completely lost in the music. This is the transcendent power of music. And there's also what's beautiful is it's a subjective experience. And so for me, Black Star doesn't move me a lot. For Zach, High and Dry doesn't move him a lot. Mm-mm. But they're both on there for for each of us to you know have our own our own individual experiences. Our own uh, what's the word when something is uh, tailored? Our own tailored experience. Radiohead. May I skip to the next song? I'm ready. This next song, Soul, is another one for me that I this just, song I would is would be my cut. Okay, yeah, I just I'm gonna. Just not a lot well, I think too. Part of the problem with like a lot of these slow songs, guys. I am down for a long intro that doesn't tell you what the song's gonna be, um, but that uh, you can't do it on every one of your slow songs. Like have just like a mysterious kind of noisy. Yeah, might not even we're be a minute and a half in. It's still doing the same. Yeah. Come on. We know you're better than this. We've, we've heard it on previous songs. Which, again, to me, is it's like they're just really trying to show that they're very, very serious musically. Mm-hmm. And I just think that it's a little premature mm-hmm. for how serious they actually get. They, like, they're just not, they're, they're kind of writing checks that their asses can't cash here a little mm-hmm. bit. Whereas by the time you get into Are you like 55 all of a sudden? <laughs> it's just, it just is like. I don't know. Well, we'll get. I do think what's so interesting this is, is that another very U2 sound. It is, but I think vocally, like, and I don't know if if albums are recorded like uh, movies are shot where they're um, out of sequence. But like the back of this album, well, for sure, it's out of sequence, yeah. does feel like. Uh, well, then maybe they just chose to do it that way. But like, I feel like the vocals are more like freed up and unique. Even though this song is kind of a snooze fest for me. Um, yeah. See, I feel like Bulletproof, Blackstar, and Soul are crammed into the end of the album because there is maybe an intuitive understanding that these are less strong. And, and, and to me, it's no surprise, or no coincidence, rather, that they come after the orgasmic peak of just and my Right, but uh, when you were talking about that maybe the like kind of take me seriously songs... Um, feel effortless, more effortless, and like less. Uh, yeah, uh, just less trying. The song "No Surprises" on the next album is a great example of where it is. It does move you. It moves me. I think it moves you. And it does feel so much less like written with that intentionality. I agree. So, I agree. Sorry. So guys, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just. I I would say that this, for me, this back third of the album is indicative uh, of a little bit so of the growing. Um, and then we get into the final song, and um, I want to kind of pass it off to you while this last song is playing, Zach, and just hear your thoughts on Street Spirit, parenthetical, Fade Out, I think the somber closer of Radiohead, The Bends. I, I think this song is great on the album. I, I think it's, uh, it's a little hard for me to be objective because uh, that same visit where I listened to My Iron Lung, you put this song on, uh, maybe felt a little bit differently 13 years ago, <laughs> because you're like, listen to this song. And I was like, you know, it is a very hooky 
Gosh, I Melody? love I love these these it was uh, the memories when... you have of me just being like, I gotta blow your mind with this now, and yeah. I have just zero memory. Of well, do you remember when that person was trying to uh, cut in front of everyone in the Jack in the Box drive-through? That it was that visit. No. Oh, okay. Well, somebody was not uh, obeying the social contract, folks. I'll just sum it up that way. <laughs> and uh, Walker was having none of it. And, um, and we were in. It sounds like we were in a Jack in the Bill Jack in the Box drive-through, which I'm going to guess is not disconnected from the fact that you mentioned that marijuana was consumed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and alcohol. <laughs> and we were driving. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> no. Um, we made it out alive, folks. It was that visit. and uh, But uh, the reason I remember it is because it was like a Radiohead-themed visit. And, um, yeah, I was hooked because uh, this song is really, um, I keep saying hooky, but, like, it has a very, very good melody. Really strong melody. And um, I think that's fine. I love what he's doing on the drums. Very simple. I think this song is hard for me to be objective, though, because I think, Walker... That this song is the biggest preview of what's to come, musically. Um, Not necessarily that they'll close albums this darkly, but like the arrangement of the song, the mood, the um, all of it. But I do prefer. um, We don't necessarily have to listen to it. We can listen to a second of it. I do prefer the live version of the song from this era. Let's play a little bit of that live version. Yeah. skip like a minute in because Tom York's vocals are a little bit restrained on the studio version. Hopefully there's not going to be a fucking ad. <laughs> um, well, whatever product it's, it's recommending, uh, we, we, we don't take responsibility oh, for it. Okay, I'm sorry. I was. Let's go, so it looks like it's recommending people rent a car from Hertz. Ooh, I've never done that, but I'm not big on renting cars. I've rented cars. a car from Hertz before. Yeah, you know what? I had a positive experience. Okay. Um, I've always been a enterprise man. Uh, sure. And you're brand loyal. <laughs> yeah. um, what was the one that uh, OJ did the advertisement Hertz. for? Hertz. Hertz. Okay. Yeah, that's why I'm a Hertz man. Cause, you know, so yeah, go like a minute in. Okay, so skip. Uh, you guys have heard Street Spirit. So okay, listen is... to these vocals. Tom's rocking a 12 string. It's just he and Johnny on a stage. I'm setting the scene for you here, guys. Very 90s. He's wearing a baggy button-up T-shirt. Johnny Greenwood is wearing his signature arm brace from rocking out too fucking hard. Tom looks like there's some product in his hair. So just some peroxide dyeing his lawn, but maybe some gel. We're going to listen to this verse going into the chorus, and then we'll shut it off, because I think this is so superior to the album version. And uh, you know what, guys? You can tease me. He is, like, fully emotionally invested in this song and it really makes you I think makes you realize how powerful it is this guy can really sing ooh yeah wow yeah that's a better vocal performance than his own album double click it 10 seconds back if you want it's incredible Listen to the sustain. Wow. Yeah, that's, I like that vocal. We can, uh, better than on the album. We can uh, finish it out. Um, it is outstanding. Okay, well, no, no, turn it up. Turn it back up. Listen to what he does here. Come here for the shit. Uh, <laughs> go listen to 
Yeah, it, yeah. I'm sure there's a great analysis of it was all yellow happening somewhere in the world. Um, so this, you know, it, we can let it play in the background, but uh, this is why I love that, this song so much because of this performance, and there's a couple others. There's one of uh, he and Johnny in Japan playing. I always love when bands play in Japan um, or like the Philippines. You gotta play in Japan. You gotta play in Japan. The food alone is worth the trip. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's a very special song and um, I, I don't know what else to say about it. it. It is a little dramatic if you're just going off the album version and the music video, but uh, it's performances like this that really, oh my God, this guy can sing. This is a perfect time for me to interject my correction from last week. I said Tom York's legato when speaking about his strengths as a oh, singer. Oh yeah, Zach has been really. I remember on the drive home, and I don't know how I remembered word. it, but I was like legato, vibrato. His vibrato, folks, is second to none, uh, in my opinion, as a singer, and that is really, really impressive because Tom York is known for singing very high pitched falsetto, which is only one of his many tricks that he can pull off. But his vibrato, uh, not just in this live performance, is is really, really outstanding. And uh, I think an underrated element of his singing. That's that's all I got on Street Spirit. Um, <laughs> I agree with that. I mean, so if I could just, you know, have a little bit of a contrarian take here. Uh, I, I, I can't disagree with anything you're saying. It's a very, I, I, it's a very beautiful song. To me, it is a little bit, again, falls into this category of just begging a little bit to be taken seriously in a way that I just think they will accomplish much more deftly and subtly in their future work. Mm -hmm. They're still a young band at this point. Mm -hmm. This is better than any song I've ever fucking written. So, you know, <laughs> like take this with a grain of goddamn salt, but it just, I, and it, uh, it's doing a thing that Radiohead does a lot mm -hmm. um, where uh, the dun, 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 mm -hmm. dun, 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 it's almost dun, like Danny Elfman dun, wrote this song. <laughs> so that that melody is going through the entire song, yep. and then the root chords change over mm -hmm. it, which is something they'll do a lot. I think. It, what else do they do that in? They do that in lots of songs. Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, a example off the top of my head would be um, like "Spinning Plates" on Amnesia. Okay. Okay. And um, I think that this is something. This effect is a little more impactful when Tom starts writing on the piano, and totally. just the fact it's a really that it's good a call. three guitar song. It's relentless, but a little bit repetitive. It's a little bit repetitive, and it just puts it a little bit into like a classic rock territory that I don't mind <clears throat> in general, but is not necessarily what I'm looking for in my radio head. Totally. Uh, I think what it's saving grace, too, um, when it gets a little bit repetitive, even on the album version, is that the closeout, and this is where I was saying I think it's a sign of what's to come, which just brings me tingles and jingles. Because uh, the, the closeout of Immerse Your Soul in Love is um, E major, or sorry, G to E major. We've only seen an E minor thus far, folks. Uh, back to A minor. Now, that's not overly fascinating, except to say that that's uh, basically um, inverse of what we had heard previously. And Radiohead don't do a ton of um mind-blowingly weird chord progressions in this album and that is not mind-blowingly weird but they get a lot weirder in the next album so that's why i get excited you could tell they're starting to really play around with what they could do melody wise so that's the studio cuts mm -hmm. of the bends i think it's a great album mm -hmm. even if they have better albums that will follow it 
Um, we'll find I show out. you a couple of these? I don't know exactly how many songs I lose mm-hmm. from the album necessarily. I, I, like I said, less of a fan of that back half or not back half rather because mm-hmm. the back, uh, but that, that last third. Now there are some B sides that I think are at least as good or better than some of the songs on the album that my speculation is were maybe cut because they're just a little bit straightforward and Radiohead is not wanting to be seen as a straightforward rock band Mm -hmm. at this point. This song, this first one I'm going to play you, my controversial take, Zach, Mm -hmm. is not only am I flummoxed as to why this is not on the album, I think this is a single. I think this is a song that should have been like a lead single on the album. It is so goddamn catchy. Do you know the song Killer Cars? Uh, I have not heard it in so many years, dude. So okay, I'm pretty so we're gonna play a little bit of Killer Cars. This song's so catchy. I was like, thought it, maybe it was a cover. It is not. It is a Radiohead song, Killer Cars. I think you fucking lose Black Star and Sulk and put this. Hey, on the I'm album, open. And you got yourself another hit. Yeah, yep, yeah. This heard this song, I just felt, you know, I forgot about it. I didn't know it that was it was new to me. From this era. I'm kind of diving into these B-sides. I think it's... I get it. You're not going to leave this Weezer uh, vibes just on this one. I know, guys, it's hard to remember that Weezer were once a good band. Yeah. That might be debatable. Uh, the Blue Album and Pinkerton are, are fun records, and uh, these harmonies and the aggressiveness... Weezer wouldn't go to a minor there, but... Uh, it's a really driving song. Yeah. I think it's a better rock song than the title track. Which, obviously, I don't think you leave off the album or anything, but I think this is a better single than The Benz. Well, I'm not annoyed by any of the recording techniques so far, so... Ooh, that's good. Yeah, it's a hard rock song, and then... Ooh. I'm gonna let this one play all the way through because it does something like that. Still on the drums. Good fills. Yeah, I'm into it. It's a great song. I'm into it. Welcome to the playlist uh, song. Uh, I'm talking my phone. The song's over. Oh, oh that was good. Was that a tight two minutes? Oh, you <laughs> trick me! <laughs> yeah, fucking close it out with a guitar solo. God, I hate when rock bands have like guesting so and so, but I think River's Cuomo could have legit guest on this song. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very flashy, driving '90s rock song. I love it. Oh, dude. 
Unfortunately, Ooh, I'm the not going to go over every B-side. There's a lot of B-sides. Can you just, uh, name me the yeah. titles? Yeah, um, this is Killer Call. Yeah, this is um, I have heard this one. It's been many years. There's lots of B-sides. Like, they were clearly, they're going through an incredibly prolific period. Here's another one that I like enough that I think it could be included that's more in the fake plastic trees, high and dry vein. It's called How Can You Be Sure? I think it's a love song. It sounds like it's like a song about, to me, about being in love with somebody. And the guitar the, is already more interesting, though, than High and Dry or Fake Plastic Trees. But pretty basic chord progression. Yeah. That sounds like it's like maybe an EA chord progression. So yeah. maybe it's just too similar to High and Dry to include on the album. Well, hey, high guys, cut High and Dry. Put this hey, shit on yeah, there. Yeah, Low Light. Oh, I've heard this song, too, man. Yeah, this is one I knew before. I didn't know. But how can you be sure? Sorry. Okay. All right. I'm at the end of my record. Um, won't play this whole song, but I wanted to get to like the end of the chorus. But it's like a sweet song. I think it's a love song. Like I said, I don't know. The, it sounds to me like it's like a song about the fear of somebody you love. Maybe not having you back. Because mm. you might be a creep or a weirdo. You're like, you know what? Can we put a lyric on the album that tells everyone I have a girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm talking to her. So this is... Is it good? And it's vocal. Right, this is better than... I think you might be right. I think this actually. I'll, I think I'll agree that this is the better song. Wow, his vocals were not finished. I fucking love it. Yeah. Well, it's happy to be sure, which I think is very really beautiful. Is there a question mark after? Is there a question mark in that title? There is. Yeah, another thing they do, guys. They'll you and whose army? They will ask questions in their song titles. Now, for me, this next one. This one is a little more well-known for the sightings in Romeo and Juliet. It's got cussing in it, Talk too. show host has an F-bomb in it. I know how to play this song. Um, this is one they clearly like because they have put it in live sets a lot over the yeah. years. I think, to me, this is the one that I think is a more confident version of the I note that they're kind of striking with Street Spirit. Uh, yeah, it, it just it Like, if you want to end the album on a serious note and kind of a down note, I, I think this is good. I actually even like the idea of putting this more in the middle of the album, losing Street Spirit and closing with Nice Dream. Yeah, I think that this song is so a sign of what's to come because I was shocked. I thought this was a OK Computer B-side until we got because it's so oh, yeah? much more OK Computer. It is, and it's so it strikes that confidence that I think you were longing for a bit because this song doesn't you ever quote unquote go anywhere. It's so confident in its melodic structure. It doesn't need to have you build to a solo or anything. Yeah, there's that that song. Um, you're right. It's it, just, it's, it's so confident. Well, if I may say, if I can repeat myself, it's a group. Yeah. This and is then, a song that's like structured around, okay, we've just got this really. This reminds me of Air. Mm-hmm. Uh, the band. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. 
So this, you, I mean, yeah, this is definitely like kind of. Oh, okay, right here. This. That's confidence. Yeah, you know, honestly, if there's any reason for this not to be on the album, maybe it's because it just doesn't sound like anything else on the Vets. Because it is more yeah, okay computer. It is. And this sounds like a computer as well. Uh, the way the drums are. He is, dude. And, and he does that bass player thing. Listen to Colin. Colin, I'll come. So, okay. So, there's more. Check them out. I just, I just think that you take this album from a great album to a perfect album if you find find a place for those those three songs. I blame it on my Black Star that it's not. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't think that album, the Benz, uh, could be perfect unless it had songs from other albums on it. But I, I think you blew my mind with uh, those B-sides. Um, I'd heard talk show hosts, obviously, many, many times. I, I can always picture Claire Dane's wrinkly cry face when I, I hear it. But uh, yeah, Claire Danes is a scary crier, man. But, yeah, big time. Um, but you know who's not scary to look at is Leo DiCaprio, and he's in that movie too. Yeah. But maybe that's why they, like you were saying, maybe that's why it's not on there because they were riding that wave of of Baz Luhrmann. For sure, and yeah, and it just it's it's definitely a sound that they'll explore more. Um, final thoughts on the Benz? Um, I was would ask you. Only on a scale of Radiohead, guys, we're coming to the table as like a very, very big fan. So we get to give grades between an A and a C. What would your letter grade be? Are you willing to give it a letter grade? It's okay if you're not. So wait, so the lowest grade I'll give any Radiohead album is a C? So like Pablo Honey Correct. Yeah, they can get that. Can I give Pablo Honey a C minus just to like change the scale slightly? Yeah, I mean, you can. Okay, if Pablo Honey is a C minus and if, uh, you know... Kid A is an A plus. Mm-hmm. Kid A plus. <laughs> Thank you. I'll give this album a B plus. Nice. I would give it a B minus. Okay. But I would give Pablo Honey a C. I guess I might be including the B sides in that grade. Oh, then I would for sure give it a B plus. I get an eighty seven percent. They they are they're in a space here that uh, I think is a really, really fun evolution of their sound. I'm glad that this isn't the ceiling of their growth. If it is, I don't think Radiohead becomes, you know, my favorite band. No. They just become yeah. a band. They they become more in that Weezer category of like, oh, I really love this album. Totally. I would give this a B plus without the B sides, but for sure with them, I would, because I'm just thinking about albums to come and what letter grades I'll give them. So yeah, B 87% for me. Um, I have nothing to add. Um, I really enjoyed listening to this album so much. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to remain higher in my rotation than it was. So already this podcast is accomplishing what I want, which is giving me a new appreciation for certain aspects of Radiohead that uh, have been kind of secondary to the parts of them that I'm more obsessed with. In the meantime, we really we know that when listening to Radiohead podcasts, you have many choices, mm-hmm. and we are very thankful that you chose to spend your time with the Glenwood brothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and on that note, I am older, lamer brother, Colin... 
<laughs> Walker Glenn Wood. <laughs> I I don't haven't come up with a combo yet. So. <laughs> uh, I'm Zach, and I uh, I thank you for stopping by. All right, thanks, folks. We'll see you next time. Bye. Idiotalk is a Glenn Brothers production. Get in touch with us at idiotalk.podcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at idiotalk.podcast. And thanks for listening to...